It is Unleashed with me, John Lund. It's episode 16 for October 4th, 2022 on the Locked On Podcast Network. Why this 49ers defense can be an all-timer. The 49ers have the Rams number and should have won the Super Bowl. Inside Manning cast and one for the road. When a streaker isn't really a streaker. Let's go. Welcome in. Happy Tuesday. If I'm a little bit hoarse, I was at the game. I was up late. I'm not digging ditches. I'm certainly not complaining. I'm just telling you, if I'm a little bit scratchy, that's why. Hopefully you can get through it and I can get through it. It is Unleashed with me, John Lund. We drop it every morning. Please listen, subscribe, tell your friends. Interact at John Lund Radio, whether you like it, whether you hate it, whether it's an attaboy, whether it's a why are you doing this? At John Lund Radio. Mailbag every week. Well, you can drop them anytime. I'm on KBR 680, the sports leader. It's the blowtorch in the Bay Area. KBR.com. You can stream us if you're listening in the Bay. 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. Civic with the voice of the 49ers, Greg Papa. YouTube channel, they keep telling me it's going to be up. I might be too ugly, but uh, we shall see. And, again, make sure you interact with the show at John Lund Radio. We are basically going to do a review of uh, Monday Night Football from start to finish for the broadcast to the streaker to uh, all those kind of things. And, by the way, a streaker is miscast. A streaker is naked. We'll get into that in uh, One for the Road. Manning cast Sam Farmer, and I rarely tell you to read something. I'm not telling you. I'm just suggesting for your own entertainment you can do it or you don't have to. Uh, in the L.A. Times on the Manning cast, get behind the scenes. It looks casual, but it is certainly much more than that. We'll describe it and let you hear some of the cuts from last night. But let's get going. The leadoff spot, the 49ers defense, not only elite for this year, maybe an all-timer. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. Um, I think it's best in the league. Um, that's kind of our mindset every year. And, and this year we have the personnel to do it. Not, not that we haven't in the past, but um, just all, th- all three levels is elite players. Um, I think the addition of, of Charvarius and, and Huff starting to play at this level. And obviously we're going to get Jimmy and Verrett back, which is pretty scary. Um, and then the depth on the D-line, guys like Hassan and Charles and Samson's coming on. I think he's playing his best ball of his career. Um, so it's a it's a group effort. <laughs> that is uh, Nick Bosa. I'm sorry, I laugh every single week that it's Nick. He's just you know surfer right out of the water. Hey, bro, what's going on? He was actually in the cold tub. But uh, that is neither here nor there. I realize that they have, before I say, they're an all-time defense, and we're only four games into the season, but that's 25%. So we can start making uh, sweeping thoughts here and not really call it too early because 25% of the season almost is not too early, and maybe I'm jumping the gun, maybe I'm not. But uh, the Rams are probably the only good offense that they've played. The Bears stink. Justin Fields has no clue. Now the Seahawks did score 48 last week against the Lions, and Geno Smith has been really, really good, maybe the best quarterback in the NFC outside of the game against the 49ers, so maybe the defense is that good, and I'm underrating the Seahawks. Russell Wilson and the Broncos, Nathaniel Hackett, they have not uh, gotten to the point where they're a decent offense, and that's going to look like a bad loss probably down the line. Denver has a decent defense, but uh, Russ and the boys are not on the same page. But the Rams had only three plays of 15-plus yards. They had zero plays of 20-plus yards. Uh, The Rams only had 3.5 yards per play, and I think this is an above-average offense. 
Uh, they couldn't block the 49ers pass rushers. Now, their left tackle, Joe Note, Noteboom, is not Andrew Whitworth. They were missing their guard. They were down to their third-string center. I get it. But seven sacks and 11 quarterback hits is still pretty damn good. Now, if you want to impress your friends, the 49ers at this point, rankings-wise, at 11.5 points per game. Where is that on the all-time list? Well, think about the great defenses. The Ravens in 2000 with Ray Lewis and company, 10.3 points per game. That's the best. The 85 Bears, 11.3. Again, Niners, 11.5. 78 Steelers, 12.2. 2002 Bucks that won the Super Bowl over the Raiders, 12.3. Uh, Lawrence Taylor and the 93 Giants, 12.3 points per game. So you're in rare air if you're 11.5. And then the next two weeks, if you think I'm jumping the gun, and I could be, I'm, I'm famous for that. But the Carolina Panthers with Baker Mayfield aren't going to score a lot on this team. The Atlanta Falcons and Marcus Mariota and Cordero Patterson is their best offensive player. Maybe Kyle Pitts. But he's going to be out, Cordero Patterson, so he's going to be out. So the next two weeks, they might be able to pad those stats even more before they take on Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. And if you even go back to the Super Bowl, Super Bowl 54, they had him frustrated until Jet Wasp on third and 15. So midway through the fourth quarter, Kansas City got going. They ended up scoring, what, 31 in that game. But for the most part, the 49ers played well. And I'm not just saying that narrative to, to make it fit everything. And look, Patrick Mahomes has been great. They could go out and score 40 against the 49ers. They just scored 41 last weekend against the Bucs, and that's a good defense. So everything could get blown out of the water by Kansas City. Justin Herbert is still on the schedule. The Rams, again, are on the schedule. It's not going to be easy. Tom Brady's on the schedule, so maybe not. But if they maintain something in this range at points per game at 11.5 and you play Patrick Mahomes and Tom Brady and Matthew Stafford's probably going to the Hall of Fame, you're looking at a lot of quarterbacks and a lot of good offense, so we'll see. As far as where they are right now, four games into the season at 2-2, two and two, 234 yards per game first, yards per play 3.8 first defensively, first downs per game allowed 16 first, yards per rush attempt, which is the true measure of a rushing defense, 2.9 first. Uh, rushing yards, 73, second. A passing yards per game, 161.3, which in this era of passing is ridiculous. That is second. Passer rating, 73, sixth. This is what's impressive. Nick Bosa, uh, Samson is okay. Drake Jackson's coming on. They've got a ton of depth along the defensive line. They don't have a true star opposite. Nick Bosa, like you see on, on some of these teams where they've got the guys coming from both sides. I'm thinking Chargers when Joey Bosa is healthy, and Khalil Mack. They don't have that kind of a one-two, but they lead in sack percentage in the league, 10.4 first. Sacks per game, 3.8 second. Phillies averaging four, so they're right there. Uh, if they can maintain this, you're looking at Bosa, obviously, as the defensive player of the year. Uh, Eric Armstead, that plantar fasciitis on his foot, it finally tore Tim Ryan, a broadcaster with Greg Pop on the uh, radio broadcast on the 49ers radio network, told me this week that when that thing tears, it's actually a good thing. He can rehab it for a couple of weeks, and it's not bothering him as much. So he thinks long-term that's a good thing. Even without Aziz Alshire, like how he said that, the linebacker, Drake Greenlaw and Fred Warner might be the best combo in the league. Jimmy uh, Jimmy Ward, who I still think, even with Hafunga and Chavarius Ward and the way that Manuel Mosley's playing, I think Jimmy Ward's their best defensive back. He hasn't even played yet, and he's eligible to come off the injured list now after four weeks. I don't know what his, uh, his uh, status is for next week against Carolina. We'll find out, and I'll, I'll uh, let you know. Point is, there's a lot of guys coming back. You heard Nick Bosa say Jason Verrett. Jason Verrett hasn't played. Remember, he blew his knee first game last year against Detroit. He's had a ton of injuries in his career. But if he can come back 
now instead of being a starter and the team was like, oh, my gosh, we got to use Josh Norman last year. Now Jason Verrett can come back and just be a depth piece on the 49ers. That's how good they are. So, look, I'm not saying right now they're the best defense of all time, but through four games they're playing in rare air. And they will know, having guys like Tom Brady and Matthew Stafford again and Patrick Mahomes in the next home game at Levi's Stadium after games against Carolina and Atlanta. So we'll know after the Kansas City game whether this team is real or not. But you can't run the football against them. It's really difficult to pass it. They get to the quarterback, as far as a percentage, better than anybody else in the league. And to be honest, they dropped two interceptions. Tayshawn Gibson and Fred Warner dropped two right in their hands. If there's one thing they need to do better, it's create turnovers. Talanoga Hofunga sealed the game of the pick six when he saw that the Rams were running another screen. And I know what Cooper Cup did. He did. He had 12 catches, but if he's not going to get anything big like Debo did with the 57-yard or 51 after the catch, that's what kills you, the big plays. you got to make a team go 10, 12, 14 uh, play drives. And the Rams did that against the 49ers. But this defense has a chance. Let's just put it like that. It's early. I get it. But this team has a chance to be an all-time great defense next. I'm our big, especially after last week. Um, it's always nice to beat these guys division game. And just, uh, I don't know, every time we play the Rams, it's a dogfight. It always is. And always usually comes down to, you know, the last couple minutes. And I think Huff made a huge play for us at the end there to kind of seal it for us. That's Jimmy Garoppolo. And in watching the game, I was at Levi Stadium. Obviously, I do pre-half and post for the 49ers radio network. And the thing I kept thinking during the game was, how did they lose the NFC Championship game to these Rams? Now, it was different, and Von Miller was there in different circumstances and, and everything else. But they're 7-0 and in the last seven. They haven't lost to the Rams since 2018. Uh, both of these coaches came in in 2017. And it's interesting because in that time, the 49ers are now 8-3 and regular season against the Rams but 3-8 and eight versus Seattle and 3-7 and seven versus Arizona for an NFC mark of 14-18. and 18. The Rams, conversely, 3-8 and eight versus the 49ers, lost seven in a row in the regular season. But against Seattle, they're 7-3 and three and 1-0 and oh in the playoffs. And against Arizona, they're 10-1 and one and 1-0 one and oh in the playoffs. That's 20-11 in the NFC West. So it's strange that way. But the 49ers have the Rams' number, and they should have had their number. They were up 17-7 going into the fourth quarter in the NFC Championship. Again, another game I was at and it was Levi South, and 49ers fans are rocking, and they end up losing the game. And any Rams fan will tell you, you can say you're 7-0 against the Rams, still you're blue in the face. Rams blue in the face. But the Rams won when it counted in the NFC Championship game, and they'll take 0-7 to win the NFC Championship and to ultimately win the Super Bowl. But in watching that game last night, I thought to myself, how did they beat the 49ers? The 49ers always out-physical them. They always get to the quarterback more. It doesn't matter who's on the field. Jalen Moore was at left tackle because uh, Colton McKivitz was out, which and Trent Williams was out, the best offensive lineman in the league. They were rotating at right guard against Aaron Donald, Daniel Brunskill, and Spencer Burford, who at one point just let Aaron Donald go, never even blocked him. You might want to do that for the best defensive player, maybe of all time. Uh, you had a limited Eric Armstead. You had no Jimmy Ward, as I told you earlier in the podcast. Jimmy Garoppolo is just okay, and Jeff Wilson is technically their third down back. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter who they have. Doesn't matter who they don't have. It's physical dominance. It's mental dominance. If you look at some of the stats, uh, Jimmy's 7-0, 10 touchdowns, 7 interceptions, almost a 100 rating. He had five interceptions in his first three games as a 49er against the Rams, but only two in his last four. And three of his last four games, he hasn't thrown any interceptions. In his last four games against the Rams, a sparkling 
I tell you. Passer rating of 113.4. And the 49ers have a 9.4 point per game margin over the Rams. 3, 21, 3, 8, 3, 13, and now 15 last night. Uh, Matthew Stafford, 1 in 6 career versus the 49ers. He had a win as a Lion. He's 0-3 with the Rams, four touchdowns, five interceptions, and he's been sacked 14 times in the last three games by the 49ers as a Ram, including seven and 11 quarterback hits on Monday night in the loss to the 49ers. Turnovers, the 49ers are plus four over that period of 7-0, 15-11, which isn't dominant, but I gave you this stat, I think yesterday in the podcast, sometimes it runs together, especially when I'm doing the show on KMBR, and I forget what I tell you and what I don't, but this is one to impress your friends with. Kyle Shanahan, when he wins the turnover battle in his tenure as head coach of the 49ers, is 19-6, and including 2-0 this year. That seems pretty obvious. Well, yeah, you win the turnover battle. But what that means is a clean football game. So the 49ers only had a few penalties against the Rams on Monday night. They won the turnover battle 2-0. They didn't have stupid mistakes as they have had in the losses to the Bears and to the Broncos. They just played a clean football game. Uh, in the 7-0 run in the regular season against the Rams, they're 42 of 95 on third down. That's 44%. They rush for about 120 yards per game. And as I told you, the sacks, 17 in seven games, including seven on Monday night. So even the numbers really don't tell the dominance. There is a physical dominance. There is a mental dominance. There is a frustration by the Rams. You saw late in that game, Aaron Donald kind of pushed George Kittle's head into the ground. And by the way, Kittle only had a couple of catches and a couple of targets. He wasn't really even a a factor as far as the passing game. Now, go back and look at the, the All-22 or the tape. If you're bored, you got nothing to do at work. Um, he blocked the hell out of things, and that doesn't give fantasy players anything. I want him to get the ball! I understand. But he wasn't dominant through the passing game. And he has had dominant games against the Rams. The consistent, I guess what I'm saying is, is the consistent theme is the Rams got frustrated at the end of that game. They just get out physical. Now, last year, before the NFC Championship game, some people forget this, the Rams actually had an p- extra padded practice brought on by veteran safety Eric Weddle, who made one of the key hits of the game in the NFC Championship game where he stopped Elijah Mitchell on a second and one. And so maybe that was, you know, their mentality going into it. But it just seems even a team with Aaron Donald doesn't dominate. Daniel Brunskill, for some reason, is a bit of a kryptonite as much as you can be to Aaron Donald. It just it, a lot of it doesn't make sense. Sean McVay dominates the rest of the NFC West, as I told you, dominates Seattle. Is at 11 and 1, including playoffs against Arizona, but they just cannot figure out the 49ers. And it's a physical attitude. It's a mental attitude. It's we are going to put your face into the dirt, and then the Rams become frustrated. And it doesn't matter if they add Bobby Wagner, who was 18 and 4, including playoffs all time as a Seahawk against the 49ers. He comes in, plays as a Ram, made a great tackle on a quote unquote streaker, even though he wasn't a streaker. We'll get to that later. But they lose the football game. It is absolute dominance for the Rams or for the 49ers against the Rams. And they should have never, in watching that game last night, lost the NFC Championship game to the Rams. Next. Game plan. Don't let this guy wreck havoc and you just you just throw an air ball. You, no one even fans to him. Watch this. I mean, <laughs> that's. That's a new one. Interesting. That's interesting. It's a, it's a new way of frustrating him. You're trying to insult him by having nobody block him and see if that hurts his feelings, and maybe he won't rush as hard. Like maybe he'll think it's a screen if we don't block him at all. Well, that didn't work. He's not playing the screen. He is playing 
There you go. Love that is playing the I love that. Back. It's that box coverage, Eli. Either you go three guys going out, three guys going in. They went with kind of the double slants. Watch this, the cluster. Yeah. See how the Rams are forming that box? It's a little box coverage. The way you beat it, have three guys go in, three guys go out. They brought three in right there. One of them is going to be open. Um, good execution there. Eli, I don't want to get away from the fact, I think you just said wreck havoc. I don't think that's it. I think it's wreck. Yeah. Havoc. So I want to be on the record that I heard that. Wrecking havoc. I don't think that's it. I don't know what reek means. I know what wreck means. All right, I tell you about Manicast all the time, and I came home last night after the game. It was late, and you need to kind of, you know how it is when you get off work, and you need to calm down and settle down before you can sleep. So I always watch Manicast. I have told you how much I love Manicast. I work with Greg Papa, the voice of the 49ers. He does play-by-play for the 49ers. He likes to see the full screen. He, I think for the brand because he's a play-by-play guy, watched watches Troy and and Joe on Monday night. I have no issue with that, and if you're a play-by-play guy, I get it. But the Manning cast is just two guys sitting around giving each other grief like that, and we'll go and we'll do the uh, the streaker in just a second and one for the road. But there's a, there's a piece you should read. I'm just a big fan of the Manning cast. There's a piece you should read in the L.A. Times by one of my favorite writers, and it's Sam Farmer, and you need to check it out. And it says, Inside Manning Cast, how Peyton and Eli Manning are changing the way we watch sports. Now, I'm not sure if that is the case, and I'll get to that in just a second. But it looks like a casual broadcast, but it's it's really, really cool. And the way it came about, Peyton Manning saying that he saw Kirk Herbstreit working remotely during the pandemic and said, how about Eli and I do that? And he talks about all the people. I mean, he actually talks to each each side. Eli talks to one side, the coaching staff and players. Peyton talks to another. They actually have a whole group of people that are helping him during the week and they're watching the All-22 and they're studying all the film and all this, but it comes across as this casual thing. It's just a great piece that you need to check out if you are, even if you aren't a fan of the Manning cast. I happen to be. Uh, they, t- they talk about how Eli has this actually in his basement where Peyton actually has a garage and he had this whole thing set up. So it's a really fascinating piece. Now back to the title of it, Manning cast, how Peyton and Eli are changing the way we watch sports. We had a sports business guy on my show on KNBR the other day uh, from The Athletic, and he talked about the expense of it because word is is that Eli and Peyton get about a million bucks per episode, and I think they do 10 of these. So you're talking $20 million, and that's not even the cost of the production and all the people working on it and all those kind of things. So, again, it looks like just two guys in their basement, but it is uh, much more complicated than that. And, again, the LA Times piece with Sam Farmer will detail those kind of things. And they're, they're getting about 1.3 million viewers. Now, I'm not as versed in TV numbers as I am radio numbers and podcast numbers and all those kind of things. That doesn't seem like a lot to me. Uh, I think more people should watch it, but I think that's up to the TV networks of promoting it better and, and, and maybe packaging it better. We see this sometimes for national championships in college, but every time, and it's got to be the perfect people. Maybe the, maybe the Mannings with their situation being brothers and how close they are and how much fun they have and you see how much they give each other grief so maybe this is just a unique thing and you can't find this kind of chemistry because I've I've done shows on radio and tv for 25 years and sometimes you have the chemistry and sometimes you don't it's like any relationship you get into some relationships and it's magic you get into other ones you think they're going to work they're not whether it be a work relationship personal relationship whatever Peyton and Eli work so maybe it's just a unique thing and I have seen it done in other forums Michael Kay and Alex Rodriguez, for example, I gave it 10 minutes. Now, I'll be honest. I am biased. I'm not an Alex Rodriguez guy. I'm not a New York guy. I'm a West Coast guy. 
So I, I like Michael K. Nothing against Michael K. I just don't know him like I do Eli and Peyton. So I, I just don't think that thing's ever going to work. Could they do it with David Ortiz? Could you find baseball guys to do it? I'd love to see the TNT guys do it on the NBA. They've probably pitched it, and they're probably all like, look, we do the pregame, we do the postgame. You don't need to be watching us. You know, We don't need to be on for seven or eight hours because while it seems casual what the Mannings are doing, it's not. But the Manning cast is awesome. Will it change the way we watch sports? Or is Eli and Peyton, are they kind of outliers and they just have that great relationships that you can't find every single day? Finally, one for the road. Streaker or just guy on the field? He's going to go through the whole Rolodex. He's got a visitor on the field here. Can we rewind that? Eli, can you do the tablet on this uh, streaker on the field? No? Yeah, do it on the big board. Yeah. Yeah, you got to break down his move. I don't know if he's naked right now, but I think at some point he had no clothes on. He was running a post route right across the 50, and a security guard took him out. But a, a nice, a nice hit, though, right? It was a nice legal hit. Uh, See, I thought we could show that. Yeah, I understand. I think we could. You know, yeah, they don't want to talk I, about it. I understand it. the A team couldn't show it, but the B team, like, we should be able to show that. I think that's why. why here you go. Oh, yeah. There he is. There he is. There he is. Yes. yes. Oh, yes. yes. That's what we're talking Wagner. about. Wagner. Bobby. A veteran, right? Get him down. Now get out and tackle. let these guys take over. Oh, Bobby Wagner. Veteran play. He had some smoke going on there. Yeah, he's got a t-shirt on. I mean, he's promoting something. Yeah. Amateur hour there. If you're on a streak, you got to go full throttle and go nude, right? I mean, what is this? Not that I need to go on another Manicast rant, but you get the idea. That's you and your buddies sitting in, on your couch in the basement. That's what you would say. Streaker's got to go naked. Few things on a streaker for one for the road. Eli hit it right on the head. A streaker is this, that. Everybody that runs on the field is termed a streaker. Not everybody that runs on the field is a streaker. If you're naked, you're a streaker. If you're clothed, what seems to be happening lately and a lot of it, you're an activist. You generally, you probably have a, uh, some kind of message or .com on your shirt, which was the case last night. So you're an activist generally if you're clothed. If you're not an activist and you have a doc, you don't have a dot com or something, then you're just a drunk guy running on the field, likely on a dare. I have done that actually. I've not streaked myself. I have dared a person to streak. A group of us have thrown in like twenty bucks, and that was a streaker. A guy actually ran naked. A friend of ours got thrown down, got a two hundred dollar fine, and got some rug burns on the turf. Probably not worth it. I don't remember. It was about I don't know, ten years ago. I do remember him saying it wasn't worth it. By the way, just because we're talking streakers or activists or guys running on the field, it is a requirement. Kevin Harlan is one of my favorite broadcasters of all time. He is often on the show on KNBR, and he has the greatest, and it's not a streaker. The guy's just running on the field, and I was at this game, Rams and 49ers. What is it? It's like 17, 2017, something like that. Uh, The greatest play-by-play call of all time when it comes to a person on the field. Somebody has run out on the field. Some goofball in a hat. And a red shirt. Now he takes off the shirt. He's running down the middle by the 50. He's at the 30. He's bare-chested and 
banging his chest. Now he runs the opposite way. He runs at the 50. He runs at the 40. The guy is drunk, but there he goes. The 20. They're chasing him. They're not going to get him. Waving his arms, bare chested. Somebody stop Look that out. man. Here comes the blue coat. Oh, Kevin. they got him. Here comes They're coming the blue from coats. the left. Oh, and they tackle him at the 40 yard line. That's the greatest call of all time. What's What's funny about it, or greatest streaker or guy on the field call of all time, what's funny about that is, as I said, we've had Kevin Harlan on many times, and he kind of got reprimanded by the league for that. They didn't like it so much. He did it in New York, a Giants game. There was a black cat on the field during the national broadcast. They didn't like it. That's just Kevin Harlan, great broadcaster. He would be great on secondary broadcasts. Like, if you don't, if let's be professional. We're wearing ties, which don't let me even start the tangent of ties. Or the game. Nobody's in a tie. Why are, why are you? the guys pre and post game wearing ties? Why are the guys on TV wearing ties? Why are they wearing sport coats? Why are they wearing the CBS or ABC? Remember the old Monday Night Football, the yellow uh, sport coat? Why, why, why are you doing that? I don't understand. We're at a game. Now, look, you don't have to have a foam finger and your face painted, but isn't there some middle ground like a golf shirt? It makes me uptight that you're wearing a, a tie. It's not news. It's not war coverage. I, I said I wouldn't go on a tangent, and I did go on a tangent. I'm going back to streaking and not streaking. So they weren't happy with Harlan. I'd love to see Harlan unleashed. Just put Harlan on a broadcast. He's amazing. Early in his career, when I was first breaking in, he was the Minnesota Timberwolves play-by-play voice, and he would do Kevin Garnett highlights, and every morning I'd come in because I did a morning show, and I'm so old that we used to do reel-to-reel, and we would pull the Harlan highlights. He was completely unhinged because he was just doing the Minnesota Timberwolves and nobody was really watching him. Now he's on a national broadcast. I'm like, don't do that. Anyway, just to recap, a streaker is naked. A clothed person with a message is an activist. A drunk guy, which we just had with Harlan. I was at that game. The guy was clothed. I think he might have had his shirt off. That's just a a drunk guy on a dare. Uh, What else do I have? The other part of it is, is that, uh, I don't know, would it encourage people? You heard Eli and Peyton there. Would it really encourage people? to run on the field, like Bobby Wagner just smokes the guy. He'll probably end up getting fined or something or, or sued. But, I mean, because the guy's head went backwards. I don't know if you saw it, but it, certain angles. Go back and and uh, watch that. Some people thought it was a gender reveal. It wasn't because he had some kind of thing, .com on his shirt. I don't know. I like it. I think it's entertaining. We're in the entertainment business. I think Eli and Peyton were right. I didn't watch Joe Buck and Troy because I was at the game. They probably didn't show it, and it's always awkward because – they're play-by-play guys, so as you heard Kevin Harlan do there, it, I don't know if Joe Buck even acknowledged it. A lot of times you don't. We don't want to encourage this kind of behavior. I don't know. Would you, would, would you, would you really be sitting in a game thinking, geez, I want to do that next, as Bobby Wagner gives you a forum upside the head and then a, three or four security guys jump on you? And I, They did show those guys afterwards, uh, the guy and his girlfriend, and they had citations. He had a couple of abrasions on his head and neck and things. So they didn't seem like they were much too much worse for the wear, and they got their .com on TV. But anyway, streakers, clothed people, activists, drunk people, let's keep it straight. And that is One for the Road. And that is Unleashed, Episode 16, with me, John Lund, for Tuesday, October 4th, 2022. Please listen, which you just did, thank you. Subscribe, where you get your favorite podcasts. Spread the word. KNBR 680 in the Bay Area, 10 to 2 Pacific, KNBR.com, or you can listen in the Bay Area the old-fashioned way. You can interact any old time, good or bad, at John Lund Radio on Twitter. Please interact. I love that. We'll be on the YouTube channel soon. I'll let you know on that, and we will be better tomorrow. It's Unleashed with me, John Lund. Episode 16 on the Locked On Podcast Network.